Lane from the Village and Andy Littleton from Mission Church is standing, 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 <laughs> sitting across from me. He finished his Chick Fil A, and we didn't have a topic, but I guess we ran into sex, and sex became our topic. So there you go. It was good. Yeah. So brace yourself. Yeah, and enjoy. Faith Over Breakfast, uh, Eric Seepin of the Village Church, Andy Littleton of Mission Church in a uh, soundproof tunnel. tunnel. Yes. Maybe. We'll see how this sounds. Yeah, it, it may sound good. It may not. Our studio is not done yet because of me, basically, I think. I don't know. I don't know whose responsibility this is. Um, Who, who's supposed to? I, don't know. I, I think the studio will happen when the studio happens, right? I was very deep. Yeah, it's deep, existential. Do you think that the will of God is involved in that at all? Yes. Wow. <laughs> well, you had a couple topics on your mind that I th- that it seems like you said we aren't maybe aren't going to do. One of them was how to discern the will of God. Yeah, it seems like a big apparently, topic to take on. Apparently, God has not willed that the studio get done. Yeah. Um, nor have I. Yeah. No. Nor have you. No. No. I'm so. very happy just to be wherever we are, oh, to talk so together just, and to put it up on the internet and let people enjoy just so our, our relationship. That's because really, when we started this podcast, we didn't know each other very well. Yeah. So, do we know each other now? I think we know each other better than we did. We do. I mean, we, we must. We have a one hour intentional conversation every yeah. week. So I just want to I want to paint the picture here because this is an audio recording. It is an audio recording. So um, there is one sound panel leaning up against a window. There's an actual professional podcasting little half circle foam thing um, on my left, Eric's right. Yep. Our microphone is sitting in the middle. We have two better microphones that we aren't using at this juncture. Right. We're still using the one we always did. Well, we attempted to use those mics, but I they, don't know if we're. I don't know if you had the settings wrong or that was the mics or whatever, but we were in a wind tunnel, it sounded like. So we. Yeah, we also did those at. Um, well. No, we did them. We did them in your room at the church. Uh, yeah, I think what happened was for a while you had the echo by accident set I did. on the recording. I did. So. Yeah, because I don't know what I'm doing. And then now um, you have taken a, another sound panel and propped it up on top of. The two items I described earlier, it's creating kind of a slanted roof situation yes. where I can't see the top of your head. And I can't see the top of yours either. It's pretty yeah. cool. And so, uh, and I'm eating, you know, uh, you know, in true faith over breakfast form, fast food. Yes, you are. Not only fast food, but what Eric's, when I walked in, what'd you say? Uh, the big chicken, Christian in, chicken, chicken in, in the, the sky. sky. Yeah, which I wish there was a big Christian chicken in the sky. That's, this was just Chick-fil-A. Yeah, Chick-fil-A. Um, Which um, I was just having a discussion with our intern at the church about how I don't like all the, um, I mean, it's the my pleasure stuff. Just I don't believe them. that it was their, their pleasure to serve you. It doesn't always feel like they're full of pleasure at that moment. But um, but the chicken's good. Yeah. Most of the time the chicken's good. I, I, I feel like they've done a couple things that I dislike. 
Mm. Let's move me away from them. Oh, and they, they didn't make one thing at all of the restaurants that, that makes me upset. Number one, it's the little chicken nuggets. You could get them spicy in Texas. Uh, they have spicy, at least chicken tenders now. Oh, they've upgraded chicken tenders. Okay. Maybe nuggets too. I don't know. No. I don't care about the spicy, so I haven't really. Yeah, been well, paying attention for the longest time. They also got rid of their mini chicken um, biscuit. Those were good. Yeah, those were really good with honey. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, and sometimes they slather too much butter on their biscuits, and that makes me sick to my stomach. So that doesn't bother me. Anyway. I haven't been there in a long time. So, well, so that's the scene. Chick-fil-A for me, nothing for you. Yeah, because I, again, I was out already. I had breakfast with a little young 10-year-old. So. Mm-hmm. Traitor. I am a traitor. And uh, and we're in this weird contraption of a thing that yeah. may or may not make any difference in the sound. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Um, anyway, you threw out the will of God. You threw out the Old Testament. But um, you threw out the more juicy... Let's put it out there. Yeah, apparently uh, later today on uh, on the radio, there will be a lady who's written a book on um, the sexual purity movement in the evangelical church and how it led her to, she says, leave the church and um, and struggle in her sex life. Yes, so, I believe it. Okay, why? Why do you believe that? Why don't you disbelieve that? Why Why? Why do I? <laughs> I mean, I suspect that there are a lot more reasons that she left the church than the sexual purity movement. That was the only one. That <laughs> <laughs> she puts there, she's going to put out there. Uh, but I think since I grew up in the sexual purity movement in the church, my experience of it is the suppression of sexuality and the conversation about sexuality is destructive because what happens is that men are, are it's almost like a, a the ancient you know you have to like beat yourself to get rid of your thoughts I mean we can go all the way back to Origen who would throw himself in bushes whenever he had sexual thoughts to try to like hmm. you know I never tried that. Yeah, that might work. Mm-hmm. Um, Depends on the bush. In Arizona, that could be <laughs> that very could, effective. That could finish it off right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just to do a jumping cactus, just jump forward. Yeah. Not, not only are you not having <laughs> sexual thoughts, you're now impotent. <laughs> the other one is that a lot of blame was put on young women. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of taboo. Well, one, a lot of blame put on women in the sense that you are the reason that men stumble and you are the reason that young boys go down a bad road. The way you dress, the way you carry yourself, the way you... So a lot of responsibility put on young women at an early age. And then never really... They're not allowed in any form in a healthy way to talk about their sexuality, explore it, you know, in the sense of having someone like their mother or older woman ahead of them, helping them along the road to know what pleasure is, how to receive pleasure, how to, to be enjoyed, like know what it's like to be enjoyed in healthy ways. All that kind of stuff is not promoted. So you end up with... I think people were scared to talk about that yes. because then people would go out and masturbate and have sex, right? right like if they heard about pleasure, they'd be like, 
I got to have it right now. Right. Well, with but, with the first kid I see. Yeah. Except that you know, at least I mean, in my youth group, they were already all doing that. But Your youth group, they were all doing that. All is a big, big word. But yes, people were doing it, well, what and church nobody was, that? was talking don't, no, about don't it. Say what church that was. I'm not going to say what church it was. Um, you know, and in my youth group, I don't think every. I think there were probably there were a couple people that were uh, pushing those boundaries a little bit further. Um, Eric's breaking the cardinal pastoral rule of. I mean, that was probably really important. It was really oh, important. Sure. Okay. Sorry. So, no, I'm just kidding. Um, cardinal pastoral rule is you don't... Don't look at your phone. Don't text somebody, you know, while their congregants crying out in anguish. And I would never do that. But my buddy Andy... He it doesn't food, He's talking. fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think it was like my whole youth group was having sex, but... But, you know, clearly some people were exploring more than others. And, you know, I, I remember going to a friend's youth group. And it was uh, it was rumored that, you know, during one of the overnighters, uh, two of the kids had gone under the stage, under the pulpit, if you will, and had uh, done the deed. Now, <laughs> did they? I don't know. Um, well, you know, but that – But for course, being a pastor and part of our job as pastors – like you and I, who I mean, you're much younger than I, but some of the people that are in our churches are people who grew up in the church, yep. became disillusioned, like this young lady, and then came back to the church. Mm-hmm. And the more and more I listen to the stories, there's a heck of a lot more going on in those youth groups and oh, in yeah. their lives oh, yeah. than anybody was talking about. Of course, of course. And, and so now, if you were to define the sexual purity movement that this lady's bringing up. How would you define it? Well, the one that I am imagining is probably a little bit more on the conservative end, but starts with the whole promise ring Mm -hmm. and the father-daughter kind of thing, Mm -hmm. right? That that, Like a weird relationship with your father kind of thing, I always thought, but maybe not. I don't know. Um, I always thought there was something kind of could be something sweet to that. I I knew very few people who did it. But what, what is the weirdness of it that you're identifying? Well, I, I, what it does is like it almost creates this. So I make this promise that I'm going to, you know, stay pure till I meet this particular boy. And my dad's going to be this very patriarchal. My dad's the man who this boy's going to have to go through. And in some ways, all of my sexuality is caught up in, in my relationship with my dad like he's the one giving me a way to have sex he's the one who's telling me I can't have sex he's the one who's trying to show me what a man is supposed to be like um, so one it cuts the mother completely out of the process Yeah. Um, and if you're going to have a healthy sexuality your mother is going to be need to be heavily involved in your life as a girl were they suggesting that mom's be more involved in the life of boys? I can't remember. I, I don't remember that. Because that was all. usually father to daughter. Yeah. Um, I, I, the other thing, though, I just think, I imagine the purity movement is that it was a lot about, you know, conquering masturbation, conquering pornography, women, not young girls being taught not to, you know, dress a certain way, 
act a certain way to tempt boys. Then talking about how, you know, if you have sex, it's this horrible, horrible thing that you've done. It's like you've married this person and now you're going to have to marry them or it's like a divorce or it's this huge, like, it's a lot of fear tactics. Yeah, Yeah. that's true. So, I mean, I don't know. That would be, what's my experience? No one actually stood up and said, I'm defining the purity movement. Yeah, right. So I'm wondering how she'll define it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, this is a brand new book that's coming out that I just heard about 20 minutes ago. But um, I would say I, I remember there being a lot of like vows to God yes. that I will remain pure. I will not. I will save myself, you know, wearing bracelets or something. Yes. Um, some people did the promise rings with parents. Um, but a lot there was a lot of even like large events where they would try to get everybody to promise God, you know, which, which just reminds me of, you know, Mount Sinai and, you know, God, I mean, legitimately saying, will you obey all my commandments? And they all say, yes, we will. Right. And then they don't. Right. And so it's like, apparently, you know, saying, yes, we will doesn't, doesn't solve the problem. Right. So that's, to me, was always, it's like, it's, I mean, I guess I was never too bothered by the idea that like, oh yeah, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be great if you, you know, waited to have sex until you were married. That'd be, I think that would be very good. But to make this big promise as if this is going to be where the power to do that lies never made a lot of sense. It just seemed like, wasn't this the method that doesn't work that we've all, as Christians, you know, isn't our whole Christianity thing here based on the fact that that didn't work? Um, and we needed to, we needed Jesus, um, and we needed to recognize our impurity, actually, and that his purity was offered for our impurity, and that that would do something profound, not just making promises. Um, I don't know. But that's how it. I, I think it kind of lands with me when I when I look back at it. I mean, I actually, I actually wonder sometimes. I mean, I think the whole thing of, like, fathers and daughters, for example— like, yeah, I think there's a lot of, I mean, ancient cultures, even even today, like more patriarchal cultures, I mean, think that way, genuinely think that way as complete cultures that like there's a belonging that happens between family members and that there really is like, it's not just as simple as like you, you belong to yourself and nobody else. Right. There's kind of an individualism, Western individualism tied up with some of that stuff. So part of me is like, well... You know, that's kind of a could be like a push against individualism because there is something to like, you know, your daughter does in many ways belong to you. Um, not not the same, but I think I think there's something to that that we often in our culture, we're telling kids you're 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 your own person. Right. You don't belong to anybody. Right. And I don't know if that's the answer. No, no, I don't. I don't think that that's the answer. I just think that. um I mean, in the church, look, what we're all trying to break out of in, in the, from the last 50 years or so is the fact that we weren't talking about anything. Mm-hmm. We, we were living in a world of rules. For sure. And I mean, I think there has been, at least in the evangelical world, a revolution of grace over the last 15 to 20 years. Mm-hmm. In the way that it's presented from the pulpit, the way it's integrated into discipleship, how you understand your brokenness, all those kinds of things, you know. I remember um, I was talking to an older person at our church early on, and he was saying, like, look, uh, 
Right now, I can go out and I can get 15, 20 books on how to parent my kid. And five of those, six of those are really good. When I was parenting little kids, there was one book. Right. And he said in the secular world, there was one or two books. In the sense that anybody was going to go ahead and recognize as this is actually helpful. Mm -hmm. Whereas now there's a lot more resources that are helpful. So things have changed even in the way that we are trying to disciple and teach people even in the secular world. Um, That's changed. But in the Christian culture, we are very, like, I mean, historically, because we encounter very sexuality unleashed in very unhealthy ways, we haven't always dealt with that well. Mm -hmm. We've kind of circled the wagons, built the walls, and sort of took an extremist way of thinking about things. Like you said, there's a lot of fear. We, We acted out of fear. And not out of confidence in Christ's goodness. Yeah. And so. So how how um, how would you disciple your church in the area of like, if if people were wondering like, hey, um, can I have sex? You know, before I'm married, outside of my marriage. Um, you know, I'm 40 years old and lonely, and I met somebody down at the Chick Fil A. <laughs> Um, she seems sweet. Yeah. <laughs> she was drinking that sweet tea. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you know, you were kind of saying, here's what I don't appreciate about this old purity movement or stuff that wouldn't work. But how would you, what would you say to him? Would you say like, hey, you know, explore your, right. your pleasures or how, how would you put that? How, what would you encourage him to do? Well, I mean, I think I'd step back a few. And, and say that in your church you have to create a culture mm-hmm. of openness to talking about sexuality itself. Sure. So, I mean, I think, and here we go, I think Mark Driscoll did a good job of starting this a long, long time ago. Yeah. That, and it hadn't happened. He did a series on Song of Solomon, and it was really frank, and it was a very literal interpretation and it kind of transformed because all uh, church and the way people were preaching, because all of a sudden after that series, people started doing series about Song of Solomon. Mm-hmm. I think you have to do something like that on a regular basis in your church from the pulpit every few years to help people kind of understand God's intentions. And you're bringing in not just, you're using Song of Solomon as a, a base to yeah. then begin to, to open up what marriage is supposed to look like, how we're supposed to interact with each other as, you know, singles, what it means to offer your beauty without, you know, using it as a manipulative way, as a woman, using your strength as a man. Like, you're talking about all these things, what hap- how you interact as sexual beings in the church. So yeah. you create that culture. It makes it much easier to have those other conversations about the questions you're asking. Right. Um, do you think if somebody walked in, though, from the outside, let's say this lady who's, I think it was on Fresh Air, it was Terry Gross or whatever, she walk, walks in, you know, fresh out of uh, the NPR studios, and she's asked to evaluate, you know, does your church practice sexual purity? What would she say? Uh, like, she doesn't know all about the culture. She's just walking in. I don't know. I mean, how do you, would you even know that? Well, say she starts interviewing everybody. 
you know, and, and they say, well, we've set a culture here where we, we talk about all these things, you know, I guess what I'm getting at is I'm like, man, I mean, it seems like you're, you're talking about a holistic, yeah, but it's still, which she pushed back on it. Yeah. And she, I would say like, in my mind hearing this, I'm like, yeah, but you still have like a sexual purity ethic. You just work it out much more holistically right. and in community. Well, and the question I would have to ask her is, you know, what what is – everybody has a definition of sexual purity. Even uh-huh. she does, right? Of course. Because boundaries have to be placed at some point to define anything. Yeah. Well, and I think our culture is going way more in a weird way sexually – sexual purity laws – than ever before, interestingly. I don't, that's how, not just the you, church. Like what? Oh, like you can't, Garrison Keeler, you know, ran his hand up, you know, somebody's bare back a bit, and that was not okay. Um, I mean, that's a sexual purity That's a sexual purity law. Decision. It yes. is. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm, I'm not saying he should have, but I'm saying our, like, culturally, we're very sensitive to that. Um, we've just drawn the lines in certain places. We've said if, if um, the person, asked for that then that's fine but if they didn't right so it's god isn't determining it's the individual sure being approached well um, they're the god they're the god and they have the laws and mm-hmm. the rules in which you yeah. must function under yeah or their wrath will come down on you yeah if you and violate it, them and it does uh-huh yeah right i mean we could get real current eventy here and talk about the the justice kavanaugh deal yep yeah you're aware of this i mean you know here's a 17 year old who may or may not have had a sexually impure moment right right yeah and so so i think culturally like if that if that guy oh yeah we have sexual yeah if he was sexually impure at age 17 then you can't lead in this nation right you've been disqualified yeah so and we so we gotta to, find we gotta find a person who's never transgressed this in this area. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And wasn't it the what, what I find fascinating, wasn't the Me Too leader herself, one of the Me Too leaders, had settled out of court a sexual harassment deal? And she I don't know, but it wouldn't surprise me. Right. I mean if it's it's this is all over and I mean it's it's also one that's you know it is a not an equal opportunity no. thing when it comes to public punishment. Yeah, right. No, it's it, it's we live in a <laughs> weird sexual purity law place. So it's but it's I don't just think that's it's what it's she's interesting. About. I think no. what she's talking about is that it messed up her sex life because she walked into marriage with mm-hmm. with what I've met many women who walk into marriage who come out of this movement suppressed in their sexuality yeah. and do not know how yeah. to unleash it and feel ashamed and, yeah. and very disinterested in sex because in some ways it's been completely taken away from them. Well, and then, and then the guys walking in are like these ravenous beasts who like all they can think about on their wedding night is sex is sex. And that's, and yikes. Right. Yeah. So you have these women thinking they're being used, been told don't and they're being told all their life, do not lead anyone on. Do right. not be seductive. Now be and fully now, seductive. And now in one day give it all. Now be up. super seductive, yes. right? <laughs> and a guy, don't ever don't even have these thoughts, don't do anything. And now now have all kinds of thoughts about one person right. only. Right. No, it doesn't it, tend to go very well. The, the logic doesn't even work. No, it doesn't. 
that's strange. Yeah. And I've, I mean, I, I grew up in this too. Yes. I, I've experienced. So, that. so really, I mean, that has to change Christian culture. Yeah. And, and I, and I think it is changing. I mean, I think it's funny because my parents never ever talked to us about sex except for my dad once sat down with me. My mom never. Yeah. Right. Like the extent of my mother's sexual advice to me, um, was poor impulse control makes a bad lover. And she said it once. <laughs> That's it. That's all I ever got. Whereas now, like my family, well, all four of us, yeah. we talk about, I think there doesn't go a week, doesn't go by where we're not talking about sex. So, you walk out of the back room, you look at your kid and say, hey, you just had sex. <laughs> nope. <laughs> but because sexuality is everywhere and the yeah. words are everywhere, we talk about it all the time. Yeah. And it creates questions, and then they our kids ask questions, and they want to know stuff, or they're really embarrassed, and it's fun to give them a hard time about it. But we're talking about it, right? And 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 it's it's not taboo, right? Pleasure is not taboo, desire is not taboo. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, is there a risk on one end of that? Probably. Right. But if it's if if we're creating boundaries for our kids and safety within our family about sexuality. It's probably going to at least not damage them as much as if we, if they were just yeah. terrified of being caught doing something they shouldn't, or terrified like because they're uh, to ask a question right. about something they heard at school and have no idea. Right. right. I mean, our daughter, especially when she was uh, in junior high, um, brought home you know questions where I was like, huh. Yeah. I don't even know what that is. We're going to have to figure that yeah. out together. That's interesting. <laughs> what are we talking yeah. about here? Uh-huh. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> yeah. My daughter uh, came home the other day and announced that you know the she had the sex ed um, permission slip, you know, and yes, are we going to do it? And then and then she was like, kind of like, by the way, everybody else is doing it, and if I don't do it, I have to like go sit in this room, right, with like two other kids that aren't allowed. So please don't do that to me, All right? You know, well, and uh, yeah. and so. What are you going to do? I mean, we, we signed that she could do it. Hmm. And then, and I told her, I was like, you know, I just want, I want to be talking to you about this too, you know, because we had, or there'd been some discussions, but I said, what I, I just want you to understand that, you know, there, there are all sorts of different ways um, to think about what sex means. And, and she said, yeah, they're just going to tell us when it's safe. And I said, you know, that's not the only question. It's the only it's it's not the only question concerning sex because it's not just a safety or will you get pregnant. It has a lot to do with your heart um, and and who you are and the deep connection of your heart to another person. So it's not just the question isn't just is it safe now? I said, you know, I want to I want to talk to you about about all that. Yeah. And and so we had some discussion. So she was like, you know, do you and you and Moosey, which is what she calls my wife, you know, do you two have sex? Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and like, and, and, you know, so we had, uh, she kind of started like going like, okay, so I can ask. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a good, it was her first year of junior high. Obviously the school is going to start talking about it now. And, and right. friends and the music that, yes, that all she and her friends are listening to. It's all, all right. over the place, right? So yes. you can't. And we've had those. We've jumped off of. I'm always asking her, "Do you know what this song means, or do you are you catching what this song is about?" 
And so some of the times, you know, she's like, no, you know, it's like, well, this is about two people, you know, who just had sex. And, uh, oh, you know, and, you know, here's the thing. You know? <laughs> right. And we'll kind of have that discussion. I don't know. Yeah. Now we, uh, I'm sure know, there's Christian parents out there right now who are out. cringing or like, ah, you, you, you well, listen we, to that. And it's like, well, I'd rather be talking about it. Yeah. Like, this is what the culture's taught. I'm not encouraging extremely horrific music, but some of this stuff she will hear with her friends. Yeah. I mean, yeah. No, totally. I mean, I, gosh, the stuff I heard that my parents weren't aware of. Yeah. Like, no. Holy. <laughs> All the MTV I watched, even though I didn't have a TV. Right. Mm. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, I, uh, we did the opposite. I mean, we didn't, we haven't let either one of our kids go, but I don't make them sit in the room. I just have them stay home and we can talk about stuff. And, um, Sue would take a day off or I'd take a day off and not let them have that. I'd rather tell them those things and then hear it from someone else. But it also creates a lot of questions. And we always, I always went and looked at the curriculum that they were Yeah, I looked over the... And as long as they, you know, we did let my son go to the human development one because they weren't really talking about, you know, how to wear condoms and how to, you know, protect you. It was mostly about your body developing and what you do and how girls' bodies develop and that kind of thing. That's what it, it seemed like this, this round was more in that. Because my high high school one was not, I mean... You know, Planned Parenthood came in, and yeah. and it was pretty graphic. And you're like, ah, this is yeah. I don't not have my children watch this. This we, is stupid. We had, believe it or not, we had a, a health class in middle school in a Christian school, and we had a sub one week. And all of us boys decided that we were gonna <laughs> have some fun, so we got him to draw everything. Like, I mean, it was unreal. We were just like, can you? So how does it work? Can you draw that? You know, and and he did it, and it was like it was so funny. Oh my goodness! But ridiculous. Or you're just like, why do you put a sub in this situation? A why? Um, why would the sub? Why would the sub ever think that he could tread into this territory? Did he seem like he was having a good time doing it? He seemed kind of like this, sort of like the sweet, awkward older guy okay. that maybe didn't, or maybe he was just like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Oh my gosh! And then I went to I went to public high school, and I don't remember ever taking a class. We had to take health. You didn't but, have to take health in high school. Yeah, there's probably some form of health, but I don't know that it ever got that specific. And then and then the breakdown. The Christian group would come through to assemblies, you know, to the hoots and hollers of many people who they were. They would come and do like entertainment routines and promote abstinence, um, and. You know, they they were it was a Christian group, but they couldn't talk about Christianity, but they could talk about abstinence. Right. So they would. I vaguely remember that. Yeah, and um, and I've known I've known folks that did that, you know, recently too that were part of that stuff, and I mean that was an interesting experience as a guy who's growing up in the church to be kind of in the stands with my friends, many of who were not believers, kind of taking in that information that they were trying to trying to share, you know, and they went at it from like more of the fear stuff, but more of the like disease pregnancy, Mm -hmm. like here's what's going to, you know, doing plays where the girl's pregnant and her whole life is over. And right. Again, more fear fear. tactics. Yeah. So, I mean, what you're saying about, about understanding your sexuality and feeling comfort 
you know, comfortable in that and, and having like really talked that through. Yeah. I never did see any of that. Never experienced any of that. So let's just, uh, let's, so let me ask you a question. You're a pastor. Mm-hmm. You're a pastor of church. The last time I was there, it seemed pretty young. Mm-hmm. Um, you're pretty young. And, yeah. You know, what's the church's role in the context of the larger co- culture when it comes to talking about sexuality? How do we do that? Yeah. How would you be, how are you doing that? How would you begin to do that? Well, interestingly, to back up a little bit, pre Driscoll, there was the Tommy Nelson video series on Song of Solomon, which I have been taken through numerous times. Oh, really? Yeah. So it was a little, a little cheesy, a little old, but, but, um, the guy, you know, was son of Thomas Nelson Publishers, okay. I think. All Actually, right. man, I'm, I'm not even 100% sure on that. I assumed that. But, um, but he, he, in a more literal, you know, way, but kind of with some humor mixed in there. And, uh, so I, I did in my like, yeah, early to mid twenties, a couple times go through that whole series. So that, that input happened. Um, but yeah, I, I do, I think there's some, I think there's some great stuff in, in the Song of Solomon. I think. I feel like it should always be a part of the big, of the big picture. I mean, I think it's just coming off the cuff. Like I, I think that we as Christians should be talking about sex as we should be talking about every part of life, um, within the big picture of the biblical story. And we shouldn't neglect that. But then I, I do sort of, I guess I'm back and forth. I wonder about the, the, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's churches where there's whole like classes and series and trying to really, um, and I I guess I don't want to say I'm against that because I think every context is different. And if you're in a a situation where you're just thinking, Hey, we really need to have this discussion more. Um, we need to talk through this more. Maybe there's a, a real good place for that. Other times it feels like the church is just hyper focused on, on that one issue and ignoring tons of other ones. Um, but I, I think, are you saying broader culture? Like how are we supposed to contribute to like the general American view on sexuality? Well, certainly like, I think that like there is a Christian ethic of sexuality. Um, and you know, it is one to be fruitful and multiply is a huge part of our, you know, the mandate yeah. to humanity, and so sexuality is a big part of that. In fact, I mean, it, it may be weighted even more than other topics that you would in life that you would address. Well, here, like, so another another angle on that would be, I th- I would say that every Christian teaching, I think I want to say this. I'm just again off the top of my head. Every Christian teaching impacts every area of life, and so there's there's a God given you know, good calling within sexuality. Absolutely. Um, another principle would be the other oriented life, like the, the life that's given to God and others loving your neighbor as yourself. Like that absolutely impacts sexuality. Um, it does, but how, I mean, a lot of different ways. I mean, if, if the goal, I mean, I would, I've even talked with married couples. If the, if your goal getting into bed is to feel good, this is not going to be a beautiful moment. But if your goal getting into bed is to love and care for and, and 
bring deep, meaningful pleasure to the other person, this could be a very beautiful moment. Um, I, mean, I think that's true in many other areas of life as well. So I, I think there's a lot of carryover. Sure. I'm not at all. You're you're giving me that look that's like, Andy, you just don't get what I'm asking, do you? No, no, no. I feel like I'm, I'm kind of mining down to what's the next question of that. Because I guess my question is, yes, there are great principles. But sometimes I think the church has great principles, but people don't operate on principles. Hey, let's do this. Instead of you asking me, trying to get the answer yeah. you're hoping for, why don't you give the answer no, <laughs> you want to give? I want to hear what you have to say. It's like, okay, those are. And that's where we start. I think you're right. That's what I would want to hear. Uh-huh. But what's next? Okay, I think you gave what's next. But even what's next after that? Like, so, okay, getting bed and, and pleasure. But how does that all, like... Okay, why shouldn't I have sex with somebody before I'm not married? Sure. Um, well, we could say because that's not loving your neighbor. But why is it not? It seems like it's loving my neighbor. It seems like really loving my neighbor. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, sure. I mean, well, that's – and I mean that, that comes up in a whole lot of other areas. Like there's mo- the, the pleasure that you get right now and then there are long-term questions of this. Is this a loving act for them for the rest of their life? Is this – like, is this a, do I have a deep commitment to them? Um, but why does that matter? I mean, I would say it matters because we were made for deep commitment. We were made for lifelong covenantal love, which I can only assert because of what I believe about God. Right. Right. And outside of that, I don't really have, there's really not much to say because if somebody goes like, there's no God. Then and and I so I get that this is where it's hard for me with the culture, like there's no God. We're not made for covenantal love. Then yeah, I mean propagate. I mean, but people aren't trying to propagate, you know. So it's like so just go and live. Be a hedonist. Yeah, and and now unfortunately, I can tell you, and and you know, I I don't. Have you ever met somebody that's been so sexually gratified throughout their life of just having so much sex that they're happy? You know, I, I knew a guy that uh, kind of went off the rails and became an absolute, you know, addict, like to the, I mean, to a high, high level. And the misery, you, you know, it was, it was just a dry, I must just have sex with somebody else and somebody more interesting. And it was like constant. And so did this satisfy him? No, it, it actually did the opposite. It, cre- it created a craving. It was like a drug. Like the craving that was there was just deeper and the enslavement was worse. And so the the ultimacy of it, it you know, was exposed. It wasn't it wasn't working. Um yeah, no. so I mean that discussion could be had. That this is not this can't must not be an ultimate thing, because if it is it's not satisfying us. Right, no. I mean that the U two song that we all kind of yeah. hang on to. I'm still looking. I still yeah. found what I'm looking for. Right is yeah. It applies to all areas of life, and in particular, it yeah. works very well in sexuality. Yeah, that, that life is unfulfilling without Jesus. Right. Um, yeah, and I so can, that that's the discussion I suppose I'd have with somebody you know outside outside of like the Christian faith at the moment or whatever, as I'd say, look, you know, we can see, you can look around. I mean, look at the people who've given their life over to sex 
you know, who is the philosopher I, I read about a while back? Who his big thing was sex with? I mean, he, he lived out his philosophy and and died a miserable death. And uh, of uh, any number one of them, yeah. Um, but but yeah, it's this doesn't it doesn't satisfy. So that so sex, if it's if it's a good thing, it must be a good. It must be pointing to an ultimate thing, and then and then if we found that ultimate thing, then sex could have its place, right? Um, and be and be beautiful within that context. But if it's if it's made an ultimate thing, it gets it kind of gets destroyed, right. and it doesn't come through, right? And I think just to tag on to that, like the church itself, and I was just thinking about this while you were talking, is a place where we, I mean, I think the message to our communities is. It's actually a safe place to let sexuality in a healthy way flourish, protect, nurture it, care for it. Don't let it fall out of boundaries, but don't stifle it and say we can't talk about it other than to out of a context of fear and shame. No, we need to talk about out of grace, joy, and yeah, actually purity in in a healthy way versus in a you know restrictive, oppressive. Well, and I think when you think of purity in the case like you're thinking about another person like if if you're just trying to maintain your own purity and be pure enough for god or pure enough for your parents or pure enough for your church a that spoils purity because it it just makes it well the four is a good word that we should (laughs) for god for other people right um but it's uh yeah it makes it a thing that's just about I mean, it's transactional. It's like if I keep myself pure, then my parents will love me and my church will love me and maybe God will love me. And if I don't, then it's all in jeopardy rather than the purity being out of a motivation of like, I love God and I want to know what his, you know, what his ultimate goal of this sex thing is. I want to experience that. Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to see it. I want to understand it. Or I love this person and I want purity for them and I want our relationship to be beautiful. Um, and I, I love my family and I want my father to be honored by my life because I love him, not because my, his love is on the line or whatever. Right. Uh, you know, that's purity for that reason right. is very different than purity for self-sustaining reasons. Right. Right. Yeah. Which means we remove shame. I think that's yeah. the, key, the key part of that. Right. Right. So... Hey, 42 minutes. Sounds good. Thanks for coming.